Hello and welcome to 90 Minute Escape. In today's case, we're going to cover one of the most common situations that we encounter in life. This is a topic of friends and being very careful of the people that we let close to us. Even though today's case is an extreme version of this topic, it doesn't change the fact that every single person can relate to this topic. It's just an unavoidable life lesson. Today's case is about Alexis Crawford. I'm sorry if I'm not saying her surname correctly. I'm not really sure how to say it. There is not much background information on all the people involved in today's case. I feel that having some background information helps us relate more to the people involved in the case because there are real people after all and not some fictional novel character. But in this case, I'm just going to work with what's out there. What we know is that Alexis is a 21-year-old lady. This case happens in America. In 2016, Alexis moved to Atlanta to study at Clark Atlanta University. Just like any other young adult, Alexis was happy and was looking forward to have a college experience. Alexis decided not to stay on campus and instead she got an apartment outside of campus. And I can relate to this so much because all I wanted when I was in university was to have an apartment outside campus. It's just um, too expensive where I was and also my university didn't really allow it. But living outside campus is such a better option. Just so much more like freedom. Anyway, Alexis decided to move in with her best friend, Jordan Jones. Anyway, Alexis decided to move in with her best friend, Jordan Jones, who is a biology major at the same university. Which you know, as a college student, it is always better to have someone to split those bills with when you're moving into an apartment. Like I said, Alexis and Jordan were actually best friends and Jordan had actually been to Alexis' house and she had met her parents before her parents had welcomed her into her home. So this move was a no-brainer. This wasn't you, Alexis, went missing one day. Alexis is from a tight-knit family. She would call her parents every two days and text her siblings all the time. So when her family didn't hear back from her for a while, they knew something didn't seem right. The thing is, Alexis and Jordan from the outside looking in looked like they were best friends, but things weren't as they seemed to be to everyone. Actually, there was one person who noticed something was off. One of Alexis' friends noticed that Jordan might not be who she appeared to be. She often told Alexis not to trust her, but Alexis decided to stick by her side despite everything that Jordan would put her through. I wish you could know all of these events that her friend is trying to mention here, but all that Alexis's friend says is that Jordan gave a lot of red flags and she did show Alexis that she could not be trusted. I know we've all been in situations like this and if you haven't, then you're blessed because i know that we've all been in situations or known someone that gives off red flags once in a while and makes you start to look at them sideways personally i always find situations like this so stressful because friendships just like all other forms of relationships they need mutual trust to function 
I don't know if you can relate to me, but my initial response when I see someone acting funny is like, all right, I'm going to take a mental note of what I just saw you do. But for now, I'm just going to give you the benefit of the doubt. And sometimes it's hard to know when to stop giving people the benefit of the doubt. (laughs) Anyway, back to the story. Alex's roommate Jordan had a boyfriend whose name was Baron Brantley. Baron is an aspiring rapper and producer and it might be worth mentioning that Baron has a number of past charges and run-ins with the law and these include hindering a person from making an emergency telephone call, probation violations for prior charges involving theft, battery in the form of family violence, and third-degree cruelty to children. He also has robbery charges and traffic charges that include speeding, driving with a suspended or revoked license, failure to obey traffic control device, and fleeing or attempting to elude a police officer, obstruction of law enforcement officer, and reckless driving. So yeah, (laughs) he has quite a long list of charges here. He has also been noted to use different names in the past like Brantley Baron, Renwick Brantley, Baron Brantley, and Baron Renwick, (laughs) and Baron Renwick. Oh my gosh, I'm even getting tongue twisted because they all sound similar. It's just like switching around names. I don't know. This guy has got a lot going on. And if that's not red flags to Jordan, then I don't know what is. So yeah, anyway, this is a little insight into who Jordan's boyfriend is or what he's been up to in the past. On the 26th of October 2019, Clark Atlanta University had their homecoming. So just like all other college students, when there's an event, like a university event, it's always a good time to get with your friends and have some drinks. So during their homecoming, Alexis, Jordan and Byron they decided to go out and they were having some drinks and celebrating their homecoming. After they were done celebrating outside, they decided to go home and continue to have a few drinks there as well. When they got home, Jordan said that she felt sick, so she decided to go to her room and lay down for a while. Alexis and Baron both stayed in the living room. When Jordan woke up, she went into the living room, but Alexis and Baron weren't there anymore. She decided to look around the house and try to find them. Whilst Jordan was looking around the house, she noticed that the bathroom door was locked. She knocked on the door and Baron opened the door. He had no shirt on and the first thing out of his mouth was, I didn't touch her. I didn't have sex with her. Jordan looked onto the bathroom floor and she could see Alexis was passed out, as in she was blacked out on the ground. Baron then proceeded to take Jordan's car keys and he drove off. After he drove off, Jordan called the police and reported that her car had been stolen, but she didn't mention anything about Alexis. Alexis told her that Baron had assaulted her. Jordan called one of her friends and she told her about the car that her boyfriend just stole or took away and she told her as well that something might have happened between Alexis and her boyfriend. 
Her friend then came over to the house and found Alexis was sitting on the ground and she was crying. She talked to Alexis and then called the police. The police were called over to the house twice because of um, the car and also Alexis. The first time that the cops came to the house, Alexis didn't mention anything about what Baron did to her. After the police had left, they were then called back to the house and that is when Alexis told them about the sexual assault. She also gave the police reports of unwanted kissing and touching. The next day, which is the 27th of October, Alexis goes to get a rape kit done and Jordan actually goes there with her. It later on turns out that Baron's semen was found in the test. Although I'm not sure how long it takes for the results to come out. So I don't know if they knew immediately after the test or maybe they knew a few days later after the test. After the sexual assault, Alexis was now actually scared to sleep in her room by herself. Which is understandable because going through something like that can leave you traumatized. Especially when it's in your own house. The place where it's supposed to be the most comfortable and feel the most safe. What Alexis didn't know is that Jordan had snuck her boyfriend Baron back into the house the next day. So Baron was living in the same house with Alexis after the abuse. And actually, there was a time when Jordan had class, so she wasn't home. And at that time, Baron and Alexis were in the house alone together. Like the audacity, the disrespect, I don't even know what to call it. This is supposed to be your best friend and she snuck her alleged abuser into the home without her knowledge. That's messed up on so many levels. Why would you even want to stay with a guy that tried something with your best friend? Like, make it make sense. I don't know. Four days after the sexual assault incident is when Alexis went missing. Just the day before she went missing, Alexis was literally on the phone with her family. And this conversation is what makes Alexis even more relatable. Or just puts it back into perspective. Like, what I mean is that every girl can relate to... Alexis at her age and in the stage of life that she was in. It's so funny. She was on the phone with her family. She was asking them to cash up her some money. And they were like, yeah, sure, we will. Just like any typical student in college would do. You know, money gets tight in college. And it's just one of those conversations that every college student has once in a while with her family. On October the 30th, which is also Halloween... Alexis and Jordan head into a liquor store to buy a couple of drinks. The footage from the liquor store camera is the last time we will see Alexis alive. Now, just to let you know, Jordan and her boyfriend's stories aren't so straightforward. It seemed to many people who looked at the case that they were kind of trying to shift the blame to each other. So basically, they would give information on what the other person did, but then they would kind of leave out what they did too. But when we put the two stories together, we can get a good idea of what really happened to Alexis that day. So on the 30th of October, the two girls, Alexis and Jordan, they go into the liquor store. Jordan says she got home and she went to sleep. Keep in mind at this time, Baron is still living in the house. She said when she got up, she realized that Baron and Alexis weren't home. 
So basically, this version of the story would free Jordan from any involvement in the crime. But that version of the story was proven to be wrong because Jordan was actually seen on the CCTV camera leaving the apartment in her car with Baron shortly after what is assumed to be Alexis's time of death. So what really happened to Alexis? After the visit to the liquor store, Alexis and Jordan went home and for some reason they got into a physical fight. Now we don't know why exactly they got into a fight but Jordan said that her and Alexis had not been on speaking terms for a while because they had an incident. Some people speculate the incident was the sexual assault. You can form your own opinion on that. I don't know about that. But personally, that whole we went speaking thing sounds off to me because they literally were just in a liquor store together. And I don't know about you, but when I'm not on speaking terms with someone, I'm not going anywhere with them. I'm not speaking to you, I'm staying away from you, and I'm ignoring you. <laughs> so that doesn't really make sense to me. Anyway, so Jordan says they got into a fight, and then her boyfriend, Baron, who is still secretly living in the apartment, heard this. So he jumps out from the room and he begins to choke Alex. At this moment, Alexis is trying to breathe whilst this man is choking her. But Jordan, she decides to help out her boo, her babe. She grabs a plastic, she places it over Alex's head. And might I remind you, this is her best friend. She's not worried about maybe this will hurt or kill my best friend. No, she's helping out her boyfriend. Alex is literally fighting for her life at this moment. She's struggling to breathe and Baron says that she was letting out sounds of agony. In the midst of all this, Alex is still fighting. She tore a hole into the plastic that Jordan was holding over her head because she was trying to breathe. Alexis eventually loses the fight. She is overpowered by Jordan and Byron. I mean, it's two people against one. Byron then proceeds to clean the blood in the apartment. I'm confused as to where exactly the blood is coming from, but I did a little research on strangulation and it says that it can cause blood vessels to burst in the skin or rapture. So maybe that's where it's coming from. I'm not too sure. But that could be a possibility. Anyway, so after Baron cleans the blood, they wrap Alexis's body in a blue blanket and they place her into a bin that Jordan's parents had given to her. Again, the amount of disrespect... After murdering your best friend, you then place her in a bin? I mean, come on. The couple are not seen on camera leaving the actual apartment door with the bin, but they are seen leaving the apartment building in Jordan's car. And this was at 3.17 a.m. And later on at 4.09 a.m., they were seen returning to the apartment. After the couple murdered Alexis and got rid of her body, they went back home and they went back to sleep and later on that same day, they went to a Halloween party. On November the 1st, Alex was reported missing. I think the entire search for her lasted about a week and it's so sad because her family actually went on 
TV and they were asking for her safe return and there were times where they just broke down. When it comes to missing people's cases, the more days that pass, the more people begin to lose hope. But her family was really trying to keep faith and they really kept it together to make an appeal to the people of Atlanta to help them in their search. Her dad got me so emotional. He was literally just saying, I love you, come home. I love you, come home. You can tell how much he loved her and how much he just wanted his baby girl to come home. During the initial days of Alexis going missing, her family tried to talk to Jordan. I mean, they were living together and they were best friends. So she should know where Alexis is or at least she should be trying to help with the search and try to give as much information as she could. When Alexis' family asked Jordan about the sexual assault, she told them that the test came back negative but that was a lie because at this point the results were out and it was positive for her boyfriend Baron Seaman. Soon Jordan just stopped picking up Alex's family's calls. She actually asked him to stop calling her. Alex's family then started to get suspicious. When they checked her social media I think it was Snapchat and Jordan's location was in another city. I mean it looked like she was trying to run away. Later on, we actually find out that Jordan had withdrawn from the university after the murder. She was planning to move to Michigan with her father. Her father was staying in Michigan. Like, she was literally planning to just live like nothing happened. Remember I said Jordan's parents gave her the bin that she placed Alexis in? There are texts that are found on Jordan's phone. And she's trying to make a plan to cover up why she doesn't have the bin anymore. Because she knew that when her dad was going to come to her house to help her to move, he was going to ask about it. Later on, both Jordan and Baron confessed that they were involved in the disappearance of Alexis. Jordan actually leads the police where Alexis' body was found. They had disposed of her body in a park. So Jordan and the police went together. They went to a couple of wrong locations first, but finally they got to the right park. Alex's body was found laying on the ground covered in grass and debris besides the bin that they used. It seems the place where they disposed of her body was a little hill and they had pushed the bin over the hill. So this caused Alex's body to fall out of the bin. Alexis was found kind of wrapped in a blue blanket. She also had her hands bound and a blue t-shirt was around her neck. And she also had some sort of white powder on her body that the detective said kind of looked like baby powder. But we don't know what exactly it is because it wasn't tested at the time. Her cause of death was ruled as asphyxiation and it was ruled a homicide. To me, this all feels like there's something that went on that we really don't know because when did this whole binding of the hands happen and what is this powder on her body? When the police had their first warrant, they searched the house and they found a small drop of blood in Jordan's bathroom. The police didn't think much of it because there wasn't a body that was found yet, so they didn't know that she was dead. But when the police went there the second time, they turned out the lights, they made the room really dark and they spread luminol over the house 
And for those who may not know what luminol is, it's basically this substance that when it's sprayed in a dark room, it will make blood glow in this sort of blue color. And even if you clean up the blood, it will still show up. So they did the test and they found remnants of blood in the living room and on the kitchen sink they found a sponge which had blood and also some hair on it. Alexis and Baron each faced six charges which include two counts of felony murder, one single count of murder, aggravated assault, forced imprisonment and concealing the death of another. It's unlikely that they will get the death penalty but they will probably get life in prison. The case isn't over so we still don't know what the verdict is, we just have to wait and see. A psychologist actually looked into the case and even she says that Jordan might not have been a true friend to Alexis. As a psychologist, she sees relationships like this all the time, this sort of love-hate relationship where on the surface a person seems to be giving out love and seem like they care but under all of that is just resentment and anger all this can be seen in jordan because she doesn't show any form of remorse or empathy the psychologist said this case could serve as a painful rude lesson and eye-opener to young college students and young females everywhere and i completely agree with her I personally think it's very important to look at other people's life experiences or stories and be able to take something meaningful from it. I have actually known about this case for about a year now and when I first saw it, it really moved me. I was sitting in a bus but I was literally getting teary-eyed. This type of situation could literally happen to anyone. I often hear people have friends that they side-eye and they don't fully trust and this made me realize that those types of people have so much opportunity to hurt us. So please, if you are listening to this, choose wisely who you let close to you. Thank you so much for listening. Please go out there and be the good that we all want to see in this world. Please share my podcast if you like it. I'll really appreciate that. And I hope you join me next time. Bye.